Are we good? I'm good. Are you all good? Father, we just thank you for your goodness. We just believe that you are speaking to us today, speaking to our children, Lord, that you are just making yourself known in each and every one of us, Lord, the reality and the goodness of God in Jesus' name. Amen. If you want to follow along this morning, you go to our website, rmfchurch.org, click on media, then notes. And today's title is Radiating Hope, Radiating Hope. We are believe, speaking of hope, we are believing this year to be a year of healing for each and every person, for the healing power of God to flow through us, amen, flow through us, not just the pastor, not just leaders, but us, which means you, amen. John 16, 33, this is our scripture, I'm not going to say for the year, I don't know if it's for the year, but at least for six months, how about that? Or until. It says this, I've told, this is what Jesus said. He said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world you're going to have tribulation, trials, distress, and frustrations. But be of good cheer. Take courage. Be confident, certain, undaunted. For I've overcome the world. I've deprived it of power to harm you. And I have conquered it for you. That's good news, isn't it? God made us in his image, and God made us a people of hope. We should be radiating of hope all the time. Hope is the belief that your future is going to be better than it is today. That's hope, that tomorrow is going to be better than it is today. Next week is going to be better than this week. This year is going to be better than last year. I shouldn't take too much hope for, to think that, but anyway... And uh, hope has something inside of it. You know, a lot of people who don't know God, their hope is, well, I hope so. No, that's not the hope we're talking about. We're talking about a confident expectation that you believe is going to happen. And because the Bible says this in Hebrews 11, it says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Hope for. Faith is the substance of that. So we have to be hoping. So... I believe that your hope can be nurtured, it can be restored. I believe your hope can be stirred up because hope has a lot to do with the way that you think. It has a lot to do with what you think. The great leaders of the Bible all had the ability to look beyond present circumstance and see the possibility. All the great leaders from Genesis all the way to Revelation. In other words, they had an imagination. Many others have recognized its power. Einstein once said this, to see new possibilities, to regard old problems for a new angle, from a new angle, requires creative imagination. I saw this on Facebook. You know, there's not too many great things you can see on Facebook. And I'm not really a Facebook person. I usually scroll down about 10 seconds and then I'm done. But um, I saw this, somebody had written this, and I thought, boy, this is so true and so good. The prodigal son initially resisted his father's embrace and his kiss and acceptance because he felt unworthy even to be his son again. The elder brother thought his father was unfair to him because he obeyed all his laws and commandments and was not blessed. One son felt unworthy because of his sin. The other son 
felt entitled because of his obedience, but neither understood. Neither understood that their father loved them, not because of what they did or didn't do, but because of who he is. There is such tremendous revelation in that. Such tremendous revelation in that. This week, I've been, I I just feel like this has been God just been going on and on in my heart and in my mind. And that is, you know, there's times you read stories of Smith Wigglesworth. You don't know who he is. Some older patriarchs that are in heaven, Brother Hagen, and you hear what they did. I mean, they prayed. Some of them, you sit there and you go, man, they prayed for eight hours. I don't know. You, if, you don't have to raise your hand, but have you ever prayed for eight hours in a row? I haven't, just being transparent. I haven't prayed for eight hours in a row. I mean, you, if I pray for a real long time, usually, you know, it's kind of like your brain goes, you know, like squirrel, and you go, <laughs> you do something for a few minutes, you go, okay, yeah, I went, I, I'm praying. I'm here to pray. And so you pray, and and 30 minutes later, squirrel. I mean, it's just that's just me. But anyway, yeah, we have a lot of squirrels in Kentucky. But anyway, it, it, I just, it's just easy for me to, to wander off. But you see these guys, and you think they prayed for eight hours. They fasted for, I knew this one minister who fasted for weeks and weeks, and he did that. He just fasted all the time. And you see what they did, and then you have the mentality I should do this so I can get what they have. I've been down that road so many times. So many times. If you want God's power to be manifested in your life, then bless God, you you better be praying eight hours a day. For people who work 50, 60 hours a week, that's going to be pretty tough. I was meditating about this this week. I think a lot of times people have a fear. You ever had a fear that if you give your life totally to God and you just give it all, then you have to give up for what you have as far as maybe things that you enjoy to do? You know, give up, you know, whatever. You think, well, I, I, I just feel like I don't want to have that kind of lifestyle. If you've been in church probably longer than 10 years or if you were raised in church, there's a spiritual place that we have painted for people and what that looks like. Listen to me. This is such a free today. There's a spiritual place that we've painted in religion and churches that this is what if you want to be really be close to God and if you want to do this and, and really just see the power of God flow in your life, th- this is what it looks like. And what that looks like is, man, you have to just get rid of everything in the world. Exclude fun out of your life. <laughs> oh, I don't know about you, but fasting for two weeks and praying for eight hours a day, I wouldn't say having a blast. Check. Just being transparent. Just trying to be real to you. 
And the Lord dealt with me this week about that. Just like that Facebook thing, it's not about, we feel like if I could sacrifice everything to get to this place, I would see and have everything that God wants me to have. And so we journey down this road called performance. We journey down this road that I need to do more and I need to do better. You've heard me say this 500 times in the last two or three years. But this is the thing. None of us, none of us are totally free from that. And I'm speaking to myself, and yes, I'm speaking to you. Don't think, oh, I was sister so-and-so was here today. No, you're here. I feel like that we have almost a fear that, that we may think that man made God wants us to be here, but there's a fear in that giving up something that we may not want to give up. And this is what God really ministered to me. He says, I'm not telling you, Mike, that you have to give up anything. He said, I'm the one who gave it up everything so that you can have and partake. I'm the one who gave up everything. We all talk about, and you've heard sermons that, you know, we, not, we need to bear our cross. We need to carry our burden. We need to just, you know, really live sacrificial lives. And I get that. And if you get ministered to that, you know, I used to get upset when I heard stuff like, you know, ministers sit there going, you need to do this, and you need to do this, you need to do this, and you need to do and you're just not doing enough. And I would just get turned off on that. And the Lord says, Mike, why don't you just stop? He says, I can minister through anybody no matter what you get all uptight about. So I'm trying not to get uptight by hearing things that I disagree with. You know, sometimes it's just like nails on a chalkboard, and you're going, oh, man, did they just say that? They did. And then you just get all uptight. And the Lord says, I don't get uptight, so why are you getting uptight? I don't get uptight when you say something wrong. You probably never do say anything wrong, but I do sometimes. And so and the Lord says, I don't get uptight when you say things wrong. I'm preaching really good this morning. <laughs> but this is what God said in my heart. There is a place that you, you're, you're talking about, but it's nothing that you think how to get there. It's nothing how you think to get there. It's not about giving up and sacrificing. If you want to go down that road, the Lord, he says, I, that's fine. Let people do their own journey. He says, eventually, you know, I'm still ministering. God will minister to you no matter what road you're on. I said, God will minister to you no matter what road you're on. He will. He does. He can minister to you if you're a Catholic, if you're a Baptist, if you're Assembly of God, if you're a Pentecostal, and somebody like me, which I don't know. 
But this is the thing. This is the thing. God wants you and I to know that he has deposited in 1 Peter 2, or 2 Peter 2, 1 through 3, it says that he's deposited everything we need for life into godliness. So we have everything. But to my knowledge, I don't know one single person on this planet that is walking in everything that's been deposited in us. Not one person. I've talked about the heart that everything in the spirit has to go through the heart to be manifested on the outside, and I think that's part of it. But I'm getting more and more pieces to this. It's kind of like God said this in Exodus chapter 33. Tiffany, I didn't give you any of this, so we're just going off script today, okay? Um, in Exodus chapter 33, this is a story, Moses' journey. He's the delivered the people out of Egypt, and they're on this journey, and he's got all these rebellious, hardnecked, kind of like the American people that we live with. That was a joke. Not really. It's reality. Okay, but anyway, my point is this. He was leading all these people out, and, and he was on a journey. And God speaks to him, and he said, there is a place by me. Moses cried out and said, show me your glory. I want to see the glory of God. You hear Christians pray that and say that today. Show me your glory. And God didn't say, nah, you're just a human. He says, okay, I'll show you my goodness. And he said, there's a place by me on a rock. And I'm going to put you in the cleft of this rock. So if you can just picture in your imagination, like in, in Kentucky, we've had so many of these, man. It's real easy in Kentucky. And I've been through the cliffs of the rocks, man. It's dangerous. But anyway, the, the, you could just picture this 200-foot solid rock cliff. And then there's a crack in it. And then you just back up into it. That's how I picture what Moses, God did for Moses. And he's into the cleft of this rock. And he says, I'm going to put my hand over the cleft. And he says, I'm going to walk by and you're going to see all of my goodness pass before you. I'm going to cover you in my hand. I'm, all this goodness is going to pass before you. And before that, he said, Moses, I'm going to lead you to a place of rest. I don't know about you, but my journey in the past of trying to be closer to God, to be more used by God, it's, just, it's not really been a rest. I mean, it's been, what do I need to do? I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing enough. You pray, you didn't pray enough. You read your Bible, you didn't read it. You do something good to somebody, eh, you could have done more. It's just like, yeah, you, you should be here, and you just, ooh. So what do people do? Usually they quit. They quit. Quit serving God, don't want to do anything with God or, or whatever. And the Lord said, there is a place by me called rest. I don't know about you, but I don't know too many church people that are living in a place called rest. I feel like the Lord was speaking to me and he said, 
I said, okay, Lord, if you've deposited everything in us and we are not seeing it manifested, what's the deal on that? What do we need to do to get what's in here to be manifested out here? How many think that's a good question? And I felt like the Lord says, it's a journey walking with me. Just like I told Moses, there is a place by me that I can put you in the cleft of this rock and you'll see all of my goodness. And it'll be a place of rest where you do not have to perform to see the goodness of God. And so I said, okay, what do we need to do to see more of the manifestation of what's in us to be out here? I'm ready to write it down. Just tell me. I'll tell the church, man, I'll preach this until I'm blue in the face. He said, and that's the problem. It's not a step one, step two, and step three. It's not a generic journey that you can tell somebody, do these three things. It's a specific journey for each individual person. So you can't teach this. It's a walk and a journey that they do with me, with God. Does that make sense? Because I've been thinking about this. I thought, Lord, man, I was thinking it and thinking it, and I thought, in my mind, this doesn't sound right, doesn't, it just, I feel something in here, and my brain's going, I don't know how to talk about that. And basically, the reason is because I've not talked about it before, not expressed it. There is a place that God wants each for us, and, and it is a journey to get there. And so I started looking at Moses, his journey. Man, that dude had a journey. All the way when he was born and, and his mother put him in a little homemade raft and Pharaoh's daughter got him, his journey began. He went through some tough times, some hard times, killed a man. How would you like to be Moses who killed somebody and then he presented before his flock uh, the Ten Commandments? And there, ladies and gentlemen, one of the Ten Commandments is, Thou shalt not kill. I wonder how he felt. That's a side thought. But anyway, he, he had a journey with God that you and I do not walk on that same. Because I've tried to do the journey of the old patriarchs. You know, like, man, you hear him about fasting. You hear him about praying. You hear him about doing this. And so, man, I just want to do this so I can get their result. Their result is their result because of what God is doing specifically for them and through them. It's not your result. Don't try to imitate somebody and try to become somebody because that journey's not for you. It's not a list of things. Well, Mike did this and he did that and he did that and he did that and this is what is happening to him. Because this is what I believe with all of my heart. Like I said, I don't know anybody's there, including me. I believe that place that God wants us, it's a place. Listen to me. It is so restful 
that no matter what happens to you physically or what sickness tries to come up on you or your family or your friends, that place you know you, there's the ability to speak to that and it will not stay in your body or that body that you're praying for. This place that I'm talking, because listen to me, because a lot of people say, you know, my life is happy just the way it is. And if you, you, it's because you don't know about this place. None of us do. None of us. Because what I mean by this, you know, I, I have a good job. I have life. I have lots of money. I live in a big house. I'm happy just the way that life is. I really am. That's kind of like saying somebody, uh, if you go to the, uh, the bush of Africa, which we've been to, and there's somebody there with dirt floor, grass roof house, grass house, just a hut. You know, just like you've seen on Gilligan's Island. You know what I'm talking about? I was trying to be funny. But anyway, and you tell that person, you know, you know they're eating ugali, if you don't know what ugali is. They're, my boys and other people in my family like that stuff. Not me. But anyway, uh, and, and, and greens and ugali or whatever, and they have that every day, and they're happy with that. Their needs are being met. But what if I could take them and say, you know what? You can live at the Broadmoor and live there for the rest of your life and have people serve you and wait up on you and cook your food and just live there. And they go, I don't know what that is. And so, no, I'm good. Maybe... if. Have you been to the Broadmoor? Maybe I'm... Okay. If you've never been to the Broadmoor, that should be on your bucket list. But anyway, I've been there, and it's like, whoo. There's a scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 21. says, days of heaven on earth. The Broadmoor is just real close to that. <laughs> My point is this. That is what God wants for you and me. Days of heaven... On the earth. The reason there's power to heal here on the earth because there's no sickness in heaven. The reason there's power to get wealth down here is because there's no poverty in heaven. The reason there's power to walk in the joy and the peace and the love of God is because there's none of that depression or anything in heaven up there. We need it down here, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) But this is the thing. Nobody's walking 100% of that. I just felt like the Lord says, it's not my fault. And I'm not withholding anything. The Bible says this, he who freely gave up his son, will he not freely give you all things? All things. But we're not wanting to give up our hut because we're pretty happy with our hut. And we're happy that we have dirt floors. And we're happy that we have a roof of grass over our head. And we're happy because we can eat greens and ugali. But if I could show somebody the place where God wants us. Listen to me. If I can show you the place that God wants for us. You wouldn't necessarily be thinking that I don't want to give up what I have. Because... I'm pretty happy with this, and I don't want to give up that. 
you don't have a clue about happiness and joy and victory living where you are today. And so, first of all, I think we have to have a desire. Open up the eyes. This is why Paul prayed, Ephesians 1, 16 and 3, 16. The eyes of my understanding would be open that I may see. There's a place that God wants us to live. Like I said, that no matter what pandemic, no matter what sickness comes out, you know that it will not come nigh my dwelling. And if it does come nigh my dwelling, I have the authority and the power of God within me to speak to it and command it to leave. And I have no doubt whatsoever that it will leave. There is a place that God says that when you have a financial need, that you don't even have to worry about it. Because you're going to act, you, the wisdom of God is in you. And man, just like Jesus didn't have that problem. He said, Peter, just go fishing. The first fish you catch, there's going to be a gold coin. Take that and pay our taxes. Jesus never had to be concerned about money. I think that's a pretty wise wisdom, unbelievable thing to do. I mean, I would, I've had to pay taxes and I've never thought, honey, let's go fishing. Just never thought of that. But this is what God is saying. The place by me is that there will never be lack or a need that I can't meet. Never. No matter what the economy is, no matter what your job does, no matter if every job in Pueblo just draws up and fades away, God says, I'll still provide for you. You don't have to be concerned about it. Matter of fact, I won't just meet your need. I'll fill it to overflowing that you'll be able to bless others. There is a place by me, God says, that's where I want you to be. There's a place by me that no matter what anybody says or anything does to you, that you'll never be offended or be hurt. I don't know about you, but I've been pastoring for many years, and the most hurt I've ever been done by is by Christians, church people. Not the world, church people. I've been hurt more by church people. And the Lord says, it's not my fault. Why? Because there's a place by me, Mike, where offense will run off of you like water off a duck's back that you cannot be offended. There's a place by me where nobody can take your joy away. Nobody can take your peace away. Nobody can make you be impatient no matter how you're treated. You say, Mike, it sounds like you're talking about heaven. No, that's automatic in heaven. We're not going to have to be up in heaven and going, okay, I just really need to believe God for peace. Are you kidding me? I just really need to believe God for healing. There's no sickness there. There's no poverty there. There's no lack there. There's nothing there that can do anything. You don't have to believe for anything because nothing bad or evil is there. This is where we need everything. Right here in Pueblo. Where you have to deal with the ugly people. One minister friend of mine says, you know, ministry would be great if you didn't have to deal with people. And all of us ministers said amen. Yeah. But there is a place, God said, that in this cleft of the rock where my goodness will pass by you and you will have perfect 
rest. You cannot have perfect rest if you're still being offended. You cannot have perfect rest if you're still being impatient. You cannot have perfect rest if you're still sick in your body. You cannot have perfect rest if you're not getting your needs met and you're financially having difficulty left and right and living paycheck to paycheck. You cannot have rest in any of those situations. But there is a place. There is a place that God says, I have for you. And your place is not my place. And my place is not your place. It's specifically for you. Specifically for you. So that means your journey is not going to be like my journey. There may be some similarities, but it will not be exactly like mine. God says, you and I are on this walk together. So what do you do? Well, first of all, I hope this message will stir you up. The title of it was Radiating Hope. I haven't used any of the scriptures or any of the notes about it, but this is Radiating Hope. This Radiating Hope is that you know there's a place for you. Radiating Hope is not just, well, I hope that happened. No, 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 no. Radiating Hope is... uh, can you, I didn't even give you this scripture. Pull up Romans 15, 13, the Passion Translation. I gave it 50 scriptures and haven't done any of them. Uh, Romans 15, 13. You remember that scripture two years ago? This is what the Lord says to us. Passion Translation. Now may God, the inspiration and fountain of hope, or you can say this, he's the source of hope. That's what that means. The source of hope. Fill you to overflowing and uncontainable joy. That means joy, it's just too much joy. Uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in him or as you find this place in him. As you trust in him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with his superabundance until you radiate with hope. So in other words, he says, when you find this place in me, there's going to be such a radiating hope that comes out of you that people are, will have to take notice of your life. I don't know about you, but if you are always victorious over every sickness that tries to come up on you, if you are always victorious no matter what the, you know, the economy is doing, if we have a crash and the stock market crashes, the real estate crashes and the whole world crashes, you're, you're still on top. And if everybody is, you know, I've read articles back during the flood in Pueblo, what was it, 1921, something like that. People were jumping off the bridge and went over the Arkansas, uh, over the uh, some bridge, some river, I mean, committing suicide. People were committing suicide because all was lost. People are still doing that today, committing suicide. There's no hope. There's no, nothing worth living. And that's because they have no clue about the life that God has for them in this city, in this nation, in this world. But there is a place. That God wants us to journey in life with God. And on that journey, he wants you to be able to speak to sickness and it will 100% leave you. Speak to sickness and it will leave your spouse, your children, 
your friends. You can ask God for the wisdom of God, and no matter what, you'll either get a business idea or some kind of financial breakthrough that will abundantly bless you. I believe there is a place for that. I do. I believe there's a place where you never will ever get offended again, no matter what anybody says about you. I believe there's a place where you can have uncontainable joy coming out of you. But listen to me. We all think of what I have said to be either one or two things. Up in heaven, which, duh, yeah, of course that's up in heaven. But we don't have to have, do you know, we don't really need power to overcome sickness in heaven. Like I said, there's no sickness there. So, but one or two things people think, well, that's just in heaven, and when I die, I'll be a partaker of that. Or, like I said, there is a spiritual place that you have painted, or the church has painted, a religious place for you to be, that you are going to probably have to give up too much to get to that place, because I just don't want, I, I see this, and, and that's because you've let church and preachers and maybe even parents or loved ones paint that place as a religious place that really isn't that desirable. When I was a kid growing up in church, I thought, dear Lord, if this is what heaven's going to be like, it's going to be one boring place. It's the wrong picture getting painted for me. None of us have the right picture, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not trying to paint a picture of heaven. I'm trying to paint a picture of what life should be like in Pueblo, Colorado, or wherever you live. You just got the wrong picture of being a godly person. I was thinking of this, talking to somebody. You know, I was raised not to cuss, partially because my mom threatened to wash my mouth up with soap, so I just never did do that. You know, I, I said, and hopefully this, this will probably offend some religious people, and I don't mind offending religious people, so I'm going to say it. But anyway, you know, I said crap a lot, and my mom brought me up to the side, and she says, you know, that's a cuss word, don't you? And I go, Mom, it is not. She says, yes, it is. I go, Mom, it's not a cuss word. She said, yes, it is. So my mom's rolling over in her grave today because I don't think it is still to this day. But anyway, my point is this. By me not cussing does not make me more righteous than a person who cusses every day of their life. No, I'm not advocating everybody. Well, great, all the way home. But like, F and F and L, yeah, honey, I'm free, I'm free. Thank God. Yeah, look at that GDA, hey, buddy. F yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying that. <laughs> Some of you thought, oh, shoot. <laughs> or you didn't say shoot in your mind. But anyway, <laughs> I'm preaching just as good. But anyway, my point is this. My point is this. We all think there's a religious place for us. And it makes sure you got, you got some top things that you cannot do to make sure you get to this place. And the Lord says, you are wrong. You're wrong. 
If you think there's, there's amount of time of prayer, if there's, you think there's amount of time of reading your Bible, if you think, don't get me wrong, I read my Bible just about every day of my life. I pray and talk to God just about every day of my life. But what I'm saying is this, it's not a laundry list. If we can get away from being religious with our relationship with God and just being, letting him be our father and you being his child, and get out of this framework. And I guarantee you, every person in here, including me, have in the back of our mind that this religious place is, there's something back in our mind that says we have to do something or not do something to get to this place. And I'm just telling you, as long as you have that mentality, you will not enter in. In Hebrews, Jesus says this, he said, they could not enter into my rest. And to be honest with you, we still have the same problem today. We're not entering into his rest. One or two things, because we think we have to do more or do less, or I just don't want to give up my life to get to that spiritual place where God is. I'm telling you, it's just like the hut in Africa. You could be at the Broadmoor, you just don't know. You just think, well, this is good. I like it. It's the same scenario. Really? You're okay with dirt floors. You're okay with eating that white stuff. If you like it, that's fine. A lot of people like Cook spinach. It's fine. I mean, it's just fine. But anyway, it's just fine. But I mean, cook spinach, ice cream. I mean, there's just no comparison to me. I mean, there's just not. But it's what we think we have to give up to become spiritual. We're so concerned about that. And God wants you to know today, you need to quit having the mentality of what you have to sacrifice and give up to enter into his rest. I found this out on this journey. When you enter into his rest, the things of the earth do grow strangely dim. Your perception changes. Your eyesight changes. You know, I told the Lord, I said, I like cars and I like trucks. He said, cool. Cool. He says, I'm not asking you to give up your dreams and your hopes about vehicles. I'm not even going to tell you because some of you think, well, that's just fleshly. You eating every day is fleshly too, just saying. But anyway, my point is, God, God, listen to me. Listen to me. He's not asking you to give up your desires and your cool things that you like so that you can enter into this place that he has for you. He's not. I thought, wow, I just thought he did, you know. As a pastor, you know, you can't have a cool car because pastors and cool cars, are just, you're just not supposed to do that. Matter of fact, if you can ride a bike, that would probably be best. Just give up your car. <laughs> we have so many things wrong about our walk with God. We do, including me. But I am thankful that he's so patient with us. He is so patient with us. I mean, 
He probably has conversations with Michael. He goes, really? Really? Wow. Look, look. Melody said this. She says, how can God be so? She says, if I was God, I would just be so impatient with us. I said, well, I'm glad you're not God. (laughs) Just saying. Ladies and gentlemen, let's ask God to open up our eyes. I totally believe that being a godly, righteous person who loves God and wants God to be the number one thing in their life, it's totally different what you and I think that is. Totally different than what we, we think that is. We have a list of don'ts, and man, we should. And if we do all this list and do all this, then we'll be that righteous, godly person. And I'm just here to tell you, you will not. Let's stand. Well, praise God. Somewhere in there was my message. You know, you, you, you speak a message about this and you just think, well, you're going to just give everybody a license to, to do what they want or not do. No. But like I've said so many times and so many other people have too, people are doing what they want anyway. I just know this, the more guilt and shame that religion can make you and I feel, the more that we're going to hold our hand out to God. We are. Why? Because we are not designed to contain or hold guilt and shame. Not one ounce of it. We're not built, our bodies are created in the image of God. And and being in the image of God, we do not have the capability to hold guilt and shame. It'll cause sickness on your body, it'll cause depression, it'll cause so many things. Guilt and shame do. I believe there's people, some people, don't quote me as saying, oh, they probably died of this. No, I believe people die before their time because they did something. One of the super biggie sins, you know, committed adultery, had an abortion, or I don't know, name it, whatever the biggie sins are. They did that, and uh, they believe that God forgave them. They did. But the problem is they've never forgiven themselves. And I believe there's people like that, and it, I believe that causes tremendous sickness upon people. I believe it causes tremendous depression upon people. So there is a place in the cleft of the rock where no guilt or shame can abide. There's a place in that cleft where sickness cannot abide. There's a place where poverty, hatred, unforgiveness cannot abide. There's a place. I don't know about you, but I want to walk on this journey with God to make sure I dwell in that place called rest. It's a place called rest. Everything that's in us. But I'm telling you, we've just not been living it. But it's available. So I hope you have hope today. And I hope I've given you and painted you a picture to have a desire to be that woman, to be that man. It's not a religious person. 
you know, when I fly, sometimes I don't even like telling people. I, I just think, I hope they don't ask me what I do for a living. I hope they don't ask me what I do for a living. I hope they don't ask me for a I had this one guy, man, he was just flipping every cuss word at me. And I was having a good conversation with him. And so eventually, sure enough, after about 30 minutes of me hearing his story, having good stories and hearing the effing this and effing that, he goes, so what do you do? I go, oh, shoot. I'm a minister. I mean, it all the blood drained out of his face, man. Well, you know, I, and then he got all religious on me. Well, I believe in God and I believe in God. And I go, really? Really? I feel like God says that's what Christians do. They don't want to come to me because they have to take who they are and leave it outside. He says, come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Father, we just pray today that there will be such a stirring in each and every one of us to be that person that is so open, so transparent, and so real before you. But all we want is Jesus. All we want is Jesus, that relationship with you that none of us have ever had before. So many of us have had a religious experience with you, Jesus. So many of us have had a, uh, maybe uh, an encounter here and there. But for the most part, we've just had a religious walk and journey with you. May that just become non-existent. And may we have a desire to be like Moses and say, show me your goodness, show me your glory. And may we have a desire for you. God, you said in your word that you put Moses upon the rock. You are the one who put him in the cleft of the rock. You are the one who did all of that. Moses that couldn't get to that place. Lord, we've tried to get to that place. We have tried and worked hard to get to that place. But it's a place where only you can take us and put us there. May we see that. May we desire that on this journey called life. To have a desire to be 100% for you in our life. In Jesus' name. Amen.